You're listening to The LaunchCast, the podcast about leadership, business, life, and growth with me, your host, George Andriopoulos. It's like food for your ears. George? Yes, Dave? Where do podcasts come from? Well, when two dudes with microphones in their home offices like each other very much, they get together and they make a podcast. And then they just see what happens? Yes, then they do whatever they want, and a dad podcast is born. That's right. We have a brand new podcast coming out, and it is premiering on April 7th with our trailer and first four episodes. Dave, do you know what that podcast is called? It's called the Over My Dad Podcast, and it is a podcast, but it's not just for dads. I want to make that very clear. We got a lot of stuff. We got periodic guests. We got just conversation, wacky business ideas opinions nothing too wild it's like a light joe rogan or like a really edgy ellen show that was actually the original name for the show the edgy ellen show and it is co-hosted by you dave thompson that's right and you george andriopoulos i can pronounce your name which i'm i'm that we're, we're halfway there we're halfway there guys check us out <laughs> every other wednesday we drop a new episode but our first four episodes april 7th don't forget every other wednesday and check us out on social media Facebook and Instagram at Over My Dad Podcast. And are we on Twitter? We are at Over My Dad Bod CST. Join us for our movement towards nothing in particular. See you there. At this time, I'm going to ask that you fasten your seatbelts. Launch, se- Launch sequence activated. Launch sequence activated. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the LaunchCast. 61 episodes. Goosebumps, damn it. Episode 216. This one is called Life is a Sinatra Song. You're going to find out why in a couple of minutes. Thanks for joining me again for another episode of the LaunchCast. But you know we have to do the whole deal, right? So here we go. It's the Launch Dad himself bringing you your favorite podcast on the planet. It's true. It's damn true. Right here as the beat drops. Into the black hole. What is happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the LaunchCast, episode 216. So glad to have you guys back. Just want to say a couple of things before we dive in with our guest today, who I'm so, so excited to have on for a number of reasons, a number of reasons. Um, What's going on here? Uh, We just did uh, uh, Leadership in 60 on episode 215. It was uh, 60-episode retrospective. It was 60 minutes. Uh, We did a Clubhouse segment in there, and we got a lot of positive feedback on that. So I want to say to you guys that had a lot of positive a lot of positive feedback. We talked about leadership lessons from all of the leaders that we've had on here uh, before. A ton, a ton of leaders. So go back, check out those episodes. I have sponsors. I get paid. Come on, please help me out here. Go back, listen to those episodes, check it out. Find out why other people are so in love with their favorite podcast on the planet. Uh, but no, seriously, guys, keep supporting. We, we appreciate it. And thank you so much for supporting our new podcast, the Over My Dad podcast. 
um, with me and Dave Thompson. We are having a blast doing that thing. It is, uh, it, it's been a, it's been a good time taking the conversation to a different place, getting a little bit less serious, uh, talking about some, some fun stuff, having comedians on and you know, the whole deal. So, uh, thanks for supporting that. And let's dive into this interview. Let me bring, let me bring this handsome dude on screen. Hang on. Here he comes. There he is. I've been a puppet, a pauper, a pirate, a poet, <laughs> a pawn and a king. I've been up and down, over and out. And I know one thing. Hey, what's going on? I thought I was going to be on the Dead the dead Bod podcast. <laughs> what is this leadership crap? What's going on here? Guys, we have today Scott Stanford. I'm going to do the quick bio and then talk to my buddy here. So Scott Stanford is a, hold on, I got to do this right, is a seven-time, 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 seven-time Emmy Award-winning host, news, sports anchor, and commentator. Stanford is currently a studio host for WWE World Wrestling Entertainment. Been doing that since 2009. He's provided play-by-play and post-game coverage for the Yankees, the Giants, NBC Radio, CBS Radio, Sports Anchor, Pix11, Anchor with Sukanya. And, and man, this guy's done it all. And right now he's doing the Suki and Scott show on Facebook Live. Welcome to our guest, Scott Stanford. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you being here. You know what that all means, bro? It means I couldn't hold a job and I had to just bounce around. <laughs> Nobody wanted to keep me around. So here I am. Now I do card tricks for a living. See, this is what I do. <laughs> Man, we're so I'm so excited to have you. I say we because it's just me, by the way, and it makes me look like I have a bigger yeah, who's show. This, who's this we? You and your popcorn machine it's in the me, back? my What's popcorn. Fabrizio, my producer, who's not here right now. <laughs> Fabrizio, on the day I'm on, he takes the day off, right? Fabrizio, I love it. Sounds like a cologne. I got, I got to tell you, man, I'm, I'm so enjoying uh, uh, the Suki and Scott show um, on Facebook Live. I catch you guys now almost every night that you're on, and uh, I, I started. Well, first of all, I got in contact with you because Sukanya Kristen was on the show, and she was amazing. And I got her because Lisa Mateo was on the show a couple of months ago. So I'm yes, just going yes. around. I'm going around. And listen, circle. that was your first mistake. You went to them before me, and now, you know, <laughs> you got me after those two clowns. So here we are. I'm very excited, my friend. By the way, before yeah. we get into this interview, breaking news today. Tell me. And I know this is airing pretty quickly. Bill and Melinda Gates just announced that they're getting divorced. I mean, if they can't keep it together, the Gateses, There's no hope. who can, bro? Who can? <laughs> I just saw that right before you called me. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. I mean, listen, A-Rod and J-Lo, you knew that wasn't happening. Absolutely. But, but Bill and Melinda? Yeah, that's insane. And, and supposedly they're still going to work together at the foundation. Like, how is that going to work? What could they be fighting about? What could they <laughs> be fighting about? It's unbelievable, man. Nobody stays together these days. Nobody. Nobody. Oh, man. I'm sad for Great. the Gateses, but <laughs> who knows? Who knows what <laughs> might come next? George, by the way, I'm glad your name is up on the screen because if you asked me to spell it, I wouldn't have been able to. (laughs) There. (laughs) So I'm going to start this thing the way we we're going to dive right in. I'm going to start this the way we start every single interview, and this is going to be a trip for everybody because I know the answer I'm going to get. Scott Stanford, are you a leader? Uh, Well, George, uh, the short answer to that is absolutely not. Uh, I am the leader of no men. 
I've never been a leader. I've only been out for myself and myself only. Um, but no, you know what? I When it comes to leading, I'm not really like a give orders kind of guy. I just kind of lead by example. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like when I was in, the, when I'm in a newsroom, I lead by example, hard work, uh, consistency, you know, showing up early, leaving late, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think those are leadership qualities, but I'm not a guy who I'm not a, I'm not a VP of talent anywhere. I'm not a director of news, things like that. Uh, I just like to lead by example. Um, and I think that's really, that's the best way to do it, you know, cause no one would ever make me like a, a director or a VP in their right mind. Um, so all I could do is, is just, you know, in my mind, show people the right way to do things and the right, right way to treat people uh, is, you know, like I said, I lead by example. I never want anybody to come away from anything with me and say that guy's a, a total DB, if you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I've never uh, had the opportunity to lead my own group of people. Um, but, yes, it's it's leading by example is the way I like to do it. Yeah, well, it's it, it's funny because I, I go back. We did last week a retrospective um, on the show. We, me, um, we did a retrospective on the show. But my first guest ever uh, on episode one was Mike Del Judas from from Billy Joel's band, from Big oh, Shot. Yeah, sure, Mike. Yeah, yeah, dude's a great, great guy, good friend of mine. Um, and you know, it was such an interesting response to the question because this guy who goes out and performs in front of all these people has such mm -hmm. a, an effect. On people, right? Like Mike, Mike played my wedding uh, three years ago. Wow! Big Shot played my wedding three years ago, and the day um the day sing Brenda Renetti had had it already by the summer did. of '75. Of course they. You did. know what's funny about that song, George? I asked this question to all Billy Joel, you know, cover bands who I've ever spoken to. Yeah, and you go back to your story in one sec. In that song, Brenda and Eddie got married in the summer of '75. And then they go through all this stuff with the carpets from Sears and the big water bed they had saved for a couple of years. And then it's Brenda and Eddie had had it already by the summer of 75. So they're still in the same <laughs> summer of 75. And I would love to ask Billy Joel what the hell he was thinking there, if it's like a mistake that he just went with the whole time. But how can that be? There's no timeline there. The timeline gets all screwed up once they you know, he says summer of 75 again. Yeah. So, you know what, what I actually asked ask Mike next time. I <laughs> asked Mike about that song specifically. Cause he, so, so I reached out to him. Um, it's, it's such a funny story with Mike. So I'm married for the second time now when my, uh, my, my first daughter was born with my first wife. This was 13. She's going to be 13 next month. Um, and we were coming up on the christening. I was in no place to hire Big Shot, but I reached right. out to their manager because I was like, I'd love to have Big Shot here. Anyway, so here we are all these years later where I, I reached out and I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm getting married. Like, I'd love to have you guys. And, and we worked it out. And I sent this long, like, convoluted email just because I was so, like, excited about it, about how, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm Eddie, dude. Like, I'm Eddie. I was, I was in Brenda <laughs> and Eddie. And then we, you know, it all fell apart and I found my happiness afterwards and whatever. And we, we were bullshitting about that song. So it's so funny that yeah. you say that. You go back to the diner, but uh, you can never go back there again. You never go back there again. Um, and that and diner listen, anybody, anyone who, who who can be Mike Francesa's house band down at the shore, 
Guy can't be all <laughs> right? half bad, right? Oh, he's a good dude. <laughs> but but it was funny because I asked him the same question, and this is this was sort of the genesis of this question starting for all my guests because his answer was so in- interesting. Like we're on a show about leadership, and he was like, "No, man, I'm I've never considered myself a leader." But you know, we after all these episodes, we we've sort of come to a place where leadership is just sort of how you treat people, how you get things done, right? And, oh, yeah. and so for, for Mike, I was like, dude, you've touched so many people with just your words. I know, man, at my wedding, we had two really, really special moments where one of them was uh, Mike's got this solo song, uh, Mona Lisa, that was our wedding song, um, and another song that was a dedication to my sister-in-law that passed away uh, a few years back, and two moments I'll never forget in my whole life. And I was like, you know, if, 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 if you're – writing this music that's so special that can help people get through these tough times, man, that's a leader, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's what I sort of want to ask you, man. You've always brought it, um, any type of entertainment that you do, whether, you know, it's uh, sports play-by-play, whether it's Anchor in the News, whether it's WWE stuff, whether it's Suki and Scott, um, man, you just bring this energy that just makes people so happy uh, to to hear what you have to say. And, you know, if somebody could just escape for a few minutes to watch your show and just have a good time, man, I mean, that's that's a form of leadership there. That's that's putting out, you know, your talent to, to sort of make people feel good. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. And listen, George, first of all, I'm glad you stopped talking about your wedding and got back to me on this interview. But... Um, <laughs> I, uh, no, listen, you know what the thing is? Speaking of my wedding. Yeah. Speaking of your wedding, (laughs) I have such a good time doing what I do. Um, and again, whether it's sports, whether it's, you know, morning shows at New York, whether it's WWE, I just, I have such a good time. And that's, you know, when we do our Suki and Scott show on Facebook live, that's like my escape from my own, you know, personal hell where I forget about everything I have to do, anything, you know, bills I have to pay, mortgage, things might be going wrong with the kids, whatever it is, you know, for an hour at a time, I just escape from it. And, you know, the fun I'm having hopefully radiates to everybody else. Uh, And, you know, it was always such a, you know, it always made me so proud when people would come up to me uh, in the mall or whatever, you know, when we were doing Picks 11, and female and women would come up to me and say, Hey, I hate sports, but I love watching your sports cast. Or a husband would come up to me and say, Oh, my wife can't stand sports, but she loves watching you. You make her laugh. And that's really, you know, you're, you're hitting the right spot and the right tone when you get the not for in that position, when you get the non-sports people who, who are watching you just because you're going to give them something to chuckle at, because really in actuality, when in these days, Back in the old days, you got your sports information from your local nightly news because that was the only place you can get it from. Nowadays, by the time the the 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock news comes on, by the time the sportscaster comes on, if you're a fan, you know what happened with your team already. You've either watched the game, you heard the game, you saw the highlights, you know what happened. The hell just happened? What happened? (laughs) Your demo reel just came on, like, out of nowhere. My demo That's, reel? Yeah, I had it up on the on the website, and the thing just, just started playing out of nowhere. Real? Let it play. That's probably more interesting. <laughs> Which demo reel? I have seven thousand of them. Ah, uh, it's on the Suki and Scott website. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, have a de- I have a demo reel for every opportunity. Uh, our mitzvahs, weddings, perfect sports, right? But uh, yeah, so what I was saying, you know, when when it comes time for the you know eleven o'clock sports. 
Um, you know, everybody knows what it is. So instead of just giving someone highlights, which what 99% of the, of the guys and girls do, um, you know, you got to come at them with something fun and original and give the people who happen to just stick around past the weather a chance to see you and you put on a three, three, four minute show yeah. gives them a chance to say, oh, you know what? I'm coming back tomorrow night for this guy too. Um, but again, it's just, it's so much fun to do it and be in front of the camera, uh, and have the opportunity to, to, uh, you know, to have some fun and interview big names and fun performers. And it's just, when you see the response and people are enjoying it and it's an escape for them for a little bit, you know, there's no better feeling than doing that. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's just, there's nothing else I could do in this world. I, I can't, I'm not a mechanic, a landscaper. I can't do anything. Um, so, you know, to do that, it's, it's really the only thing I know how to do is, is just be, uh, you know, a, a broadcaster, if you will, not, yeah. a spe- not, not tied to any specific niche, but anything, anything you have me do, I could do it for you and I'll enjoy doing it. Cause it's, that's what I love. You know, it's, um, it's interesting you say that and I'll, I'll jump ahead for a minute, but I, I've had this conversation. So I, I've actually had, um, uh, you're the fourth, you know, broadcaster that I've had on here. We've had, uh, Carol Silva. We had an incredible interview with her mm-hmm. and she and I have gotten so tight since, uh, since her interview. Um, we had Lisa Mateo, we had, we had Sue Kanye yeah. and now we have you. And so I have this, I've discovered that I have this thing with broadcasters. I just, I find what you guys do just so interesting, especially on the news side of things, the anchoring side, mm-hmm. um, it's just so interesting for for so many reasons. But the one thing that I had to say to all of them was, I I'm not just getting people that I can grab, right? Like, um, in terms of that, I'm getting people that I actually watched, uh, on the news when when you talk about broadcasters. So specifically, like Carol Sukanya, um, you know, when you talk about anchors, these are people that as I watch the news, like I know they're kind of in the thick of it with me, like they're. You know, it's that local news where you know they're New York, right? Like you know, right, like right. Carol's Long Island and um, right. uh, Suki from the Shaolin, right? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But <laughs> New Dorp High School, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so um, that speaks to me, right? So, so when I'm seeing like that national news where it's kind of like you're speaking to entire to an entire nation and, and trying to pick little stories that doesn't speak to me. But when I see the person that just, I know is in it with me and that can, you know, tell me the news while they're feeling it or, or sort of um, give me a certain kind of vibe, you know, while the news is being told that to me is what, what draws me in. And so, yeah, I can get all my news on the internet, but I'll still turn on those people because it's important to me to feel that connection. You know, when you talk mm-hmm. about like uh, I talked about with Suki and, and and all actually all three of them, I talked about, you know, 9-11 and, and, and Superstorm Sandy and all of these different times that were just so heavy. Um, but I specifically would watch those people give me the news because I wanted it. I, I wanted honesty, but I also didn't want a robot giving it to me. I want to feel it. You know what I mean? Right, right. You, yeah, because you're, you're getting that emotional context as well. Uh, from someone who, you know, is a, is a local person, grew up in the area. So when you're talking about Hurricane Sandy and you know the places that have been destroyed uh, and, you know, that's affecting you while you're on the air reading, uh, you know, the teleprompter and things are coming over and you're seeing, oh, my God, this place in, in Rockland or this place in Bergen or, or Staten Island. It's just it's that local emotional context as opposed to a national newscast 
a, you know, a CNN anchor who is, you know, they'll give you the, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable, but they're not from the area. So yeah. it doesn't really affect them as it would if, 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 you know, we were on the air and we're talking about somewhere in Chicago sure. uh, or, or Des Moines, you know, a, a catastrophe. It's just, but if, if it's, if it's a local, uh, you know, a, event, a local happening, you definitely, you know, you want to be in touch with the local station. They're going to give it to you, you know, with, with that emotional yeah. uh, context and delivery. So, yeah. And it was the same thing with sports when you, when you were doing the sports uh, on there, it was, it was just a different way of, of approaching man. I, I remember watching him in the beginning. I was like, is this guy for real? Like, you know, it was, it wasn't the, it just like that bullshit facade wasn't there. Like you were telling it to me, like I would tell it to my friends. Cause back you know, exactly. I remember being a teenager. I worked in a deli for years, and I would go after school, and we had Newsday or, or The Post. And uh, when I took my break, I grabbed the newspaper, get my sandwich. I'm looking at the box score, the Knicks, <laughs> the Yankees, whatever. And then that night, you know, I turned the TV on at 11 o'clock, 11.15, you know, check out that five minutes of sports. And that was my sports back before ESPN.com and everything. Of course. Yeah, of course. Before you could look at your phone and know what was going on. Yeah. But, um, but you know, they're, they're, the way I looked at it was I, I was entertaining myself, <laughs> uh, first of all, second of all, entertaining the anchors in the, in the studio with me to get the reaction out of them. Uh, like when I was on channel four NBC in New York with, with Sue, uh, uh you know, Chuck and Sue, uh -huh. two legends, yeah. Sue, Sue would sell my stuff to the hilt. <laughs> You know, if I would sing or do a poem or, you know, a glove song, whatever it was, um, she would laugh her tootsies off uh, and sell it to the moon. And, and and that's what if you can entertain the people in the studio, odds are you're entertaining the people who are watching as well, because the people in the studio just sat through 48 minutes of bad news. Yeah. Yeah. And if you can give everybody something to smile about, then then you've definitely done your job. I don't listen. It, anybody could sit in front of that camera type in your highlights and read your teleprompter, you know, Yankees played the Brewers today and, you know, here's your three highlights and okay, let's go to the Knicks. Um, anybody could do that. Yeah. But to take, but to take that stuff and have some fun with it and take the script and, and move it around or put in a movie reference or a song reference, or even a movie clip in between the highlight that makes fun of what somebody just did. Um, it just gives you a little a more of a creative outlet and, you know, keeps your mind sharp because if that was the case, you could show up at 1030 and go, oh, okay, here's our highlights. Here's, our, bah, 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 yep. bah, here's the coach's sound. Bah, 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 bah. Okay. We're done. Yeah. Um, but I we would literally sometimes for a three minute sports cast, you know, we'd, we'd sit there all day uh, and just, you know, trying to think of something that you wouldn't see on any other any other sports cast, yeah. a Bill Belichick press conference. We'd intertwine me sitting there in a fake, <laughs> you know, a fake, uh, you know, press area, you know, like I'm leaning back, you know, like eating popcorn, asking Bill questions <laughs> and, you know, you pop in his answers and it's just stuff like that, that that's fun, you know, goofing around with Mr. G uh, when he's doing his weather and I would walk in with like oh, a ladder and a light bulb, you know, <laughs> and it was just, it, it was fun. You know, listen, as long as it, he wasn't talking about a serious storm on the way and it was just another, you know, another kid and the, the anchors would eat it up. Everybody on the set, and it just loosens even the, even the, the, the stage managers and the producers just loosens everybody up. And if he could do that a little bit, cause again, when it comes down to it, 
we're not that important, right? We're not, we're not doctors. We're not, we're not curing any diseases or no lives are on the line. If I mess something up, nobody gets hurt. Um, so it's just, you know, I always played it that way. It's, it's, it's something where I, I don't take what we do seriously, but I take what we do seriously as far as putting on a good product. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and if something goes wrong, you, you laugh it off and there's always, there's a tomorrow's another day. Yeah. And you absolutely did, man. I, I'll tell you, I always appreciated it. My dad used to watch you as well. Um, I loved it. You know, was, I, I, I'm going to post a clip, uh, guys, in the show notes, uh, a link for a clip. But one of the funniest things I've ever seen you do was I forget which show it was that you did this on. But uh, you played a like a YouTube clip of a guy teeing up uh, playing golf. Just like oh, a, took him forever to swing. Took him forever to swing, and, and then he missed the, the ball, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So, so here's the thing, right? And my producer would, you know, he would get in on this too, and we'd figure it out. So you have a video with a guy who took 45 seconds to swing at a golf ball, and then he misses, right? He, so, so how do you make that better than what it is? Right. So I would go into the studio and get the guy. Hey guys, we got to shoot a couple things, and they would think I was nuts because they didn't know how I was putting it into a video. And they would roll the camera. I would do my thing, and it's all right. You guys will see it on the ten o'clock news. You'll see what we did, and that just made it. You know, it gave you it. It extended it out, made it longer, yeah. made up more time. Yeah. Uh, and, and just made it funnier. So you have that clip, actually. I have that clip. Yeah. Oh, let me see. I can roll that. I love that. Oh, yeah, I, I don't have. I don't have. I'm going to put it in the oh, show notes. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's let's do that again. All right. You have that <laughs> clip, actually. Yeah, I'll have it in the show notes. <laughs> nice. All right. Roll the clip. Let's Perfect. see it. <laughs> there you go. So let me go way back. Let me go way back. So you're you are originally from Haverstraw, New York. Is that right? I grew up. I grew up in the on the mean streets of Rockland County. <laughs> Uh, in Haverstraw, New York and, uh, North Rockland high school kid, yeah. um, you know, always in the suburbs of New York. And, uh, the beautiful thing is I never, uh, I never had to leave town to start my broadcasting career, Yeah, which was, which, uh, you know, very few people do that. Um, and I started on small radio stations out right outside New York city, instead of going, you know, to uh, Butte, Montana yeah, yeah. to be on the radio, I did it, you know, in Westchester and Rockland. And that was my, you know, that was my learning process. Yeah. What was, uh, so what was it like growing up in the Stanford house growing up in terms of like, um, not only how did you sort of uh, uh, make the decision to sort to go into this direction as a career, but um, what kind of influences growing up did you have? Uh, well, you know, I remember my dad had one of those illegal boxes. He was always watching the Spice Channel when, when <laughs> yep. I come downstairs. He was always, you know, and watching the Spice Channel. Um, but no, I'm just kidding. You know, my father was <laughs> my father was also a radio guy. Um, you know, back in the fifties, he yeah. was a DJ, the whole deal. Um, so, you know, from the time I was a little kid, I was, I was running around. I thought I was mean Gene Okerlund in the house, you know, from WWE. I used yep. to run, all right, Hulk Hogan, come on in this Monday night, Madison square garden, Hulk Hogan. And I would just be mean Gene. You know, I always wanted to be a, a, an announcer. And then I wanted to be Bob Barker cause he was hanging out with all the beautiful women on the price is right. So I wanted to be a game show host. So from the time I was really little, I always wanted to be, you know, with a microphone in my hand. Uh, and then, you know, as a senior in North Rockland high school, one of our teachers forced me to host the, like, you know, the, the senior talent show. 
Um, and that was really the first time I was ever on, you know, big stage because it was a really big school. Yep. And that just, you know, I just from the just from the feeling of that being in front of that live audience, um, it was just it was phenomenal. And I went, you know, I went to college for broadcasting and just the whole, you know, the whole progression. Uh, I got sidetracked by by broadcast sales a little bit. But then I got back into the broadcasting on on the on camera side, right? And I just you know just kept going from there. So how did the transition to sports happen? You know what? It just uh, it just happened. Um, like I said, I've always been a bro. I never considered myself to be a a news anchor, a sports anchor, a pl- this that or this that. Um, whatever it was in broadcasting, I could do. Uh, so I, I had done my my local radio WFAS in Westchester. Uh, RKL in Rockland. And I, I stopped, my brother and I started our own video production company. So we had a, a successful video production company where we would shoot infomercials and commercials and I would be the host, the writer, the producer. And, you know, we made nice money. Uh, and one day I got a call from a buddy of mine from Shadow Traffic, uh, who used to do the, the traffic for CBS 880. Yep. And he, and he said, hey, they're looking for an afternoon sports guy to do the sports on 880. I didn't need the job. You know what I mean? Whenever you don't need the job, you always get the job. Yeah. That's when you get it, when you always. don't need it. So I said, all right, you know what? I'm going to make a tape. Why not? Let's send it in. So I made a three-minute radio demo of, of doing sports, but it was all shtick. The whole thing was shtick. I, I had a Sinatra song in there. I mean, I was doing, but it was all audio. This episode is sponsored by the new cohort of the Leadership Experience. Unconventional leadership brought to you by yours truly, the launch dad himself, George Andriopoulos. Our new cohort is starting soon. And not only do we still have the same four courses, that's right, the public thought leadership track, the career leader track, the entrepreneurship track, and of course, the podcast experience, we have our first graduate level up level inimitable, the newest one-on-one leadership class. This is for not only if you have taken the leadership experience core class before and are ready to graduate to the newest level, but for those that have experienced leadership and want to take it to a new level, inimitable is for you. I'm not even going to talk about it in this commercial. You're going to have to contact me. Check out the leadership exp dot com for details and to sign up for information inimitable is coming at you dm me for more info later guys so i used to play my clips and my movie tunes and you know all this stuff and uh they you know they liked it and i actually i i got uh the news director over at fox 5 would listen to me on his way uh to and from work because i would fill in for jared max in the mornings you know it was a whole you know, you rotate around. Sure. Um, so he was a big fan of mine. And before you knew it, I was auditioning at Fox five, uh, which was really an audition for UPN nine. Cause they own that channel at the same time. Yep. So I ended up, I ended up being the sports anchor over there with Russ Salzberg, um, for about six years. And then, uh, you know, I went and moved over to NBC four, uh, with Bruce Beck. And then I got recruited at PIX 11 to come anchor, you know, the, the five, six and 10 o'clock news, uh, with Tamson and then they restarted their sports department. So I did that. And then I got a call. I'm going in with Suki in the morning. So I did that. 
And uh, it just, you know, the, the, the morning show took off. And next thing you know, the, the, we had different management every five minutes. So they blew that whole thing out. Suki ended up at Fox 5. I was there for like another year till I left. And the timing was right for us to get together and, and do the Suki and Scott show, which really started out as like a kind of a hobby. Uh, but it's it's snowballed into this, you know, monster show with, uh, you know, great celebrities and performers. I mean, we're booked through like the, the middle of June now. Um, and, you know, we, we have the movie companies and the PR people. Everybody's coming to us as one of their stops on their, you know, on the, on the uh, celebrity, you know, stops. Yeah. The Tonight Show and everybody else. So it's it's been great. We're on a bunch of streaming sites. We, we have conversations every day with different broadcasting executives. So, you know, sooner or later, George, we're going to be uh, somewhere. I know that. No, I'm excited for you guys. I, I saw that, man, the, the second I started watching it, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be somewhere, like, very, very soon. But, you know, it's funny because today, just the way things work now, you look back at, like, when you first started in the industry, and doing something that's that's streaming or even just, like, social media live, I mean, you guys have a, a huge following, man. It's not something you it, could do back in the day. I'll tell you, it's it's been great, and it's been just a slow, steady rise. And I just, Suki and I always talked about it. And we said, listen, no matter what, let's just do the show every day. We go out every night, be consistent. She can't make it or, you know, I'll have somebody else on, fill in for her, but we keep it going. Um, and and there have been video. We just had a video last week. Um, stupid. The, 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 the dumber the video, the bigger the viewership, George, yeah. I noticed. Um, we did a, we had a video with this, uh, Phil and myself, Phil's another guy who's on the show, Phil Paz. Yep. Um, he's like a viral sensation himself. Philly kid. Phil and I, yeah, Philly kid. We sang, uh, knock three times on the ceiling by Tony Orlando. Yeah. He was in his car. I was in my car on his app. He sends it to me. I sing it with him. It turns into a duet. This thing in four days was a million and a half. People. And it's just for some reason, just that because we've done other songs before. Yeah. We'll get 70, 80,000 views. All of a sudden, this thing just kept ticking away and ticking away. And the, I saw the shares were going to, you know, 10,000, 15,000 shares. And it literally went around the world. I mean, we have comments and likes from people in Australia, the Philippines, Saudi wow. Arabia from Knock Three Times <laughs> by Tony Orlando. And it's all folks who are, you know, age 45 plus, mostly females. Yeah. And it, it's just, it's wild. It, it, you know, the, 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 some, I, I always say that the dumber the video, the more people will watch it. And that just seems to be the case. Well, they, they must have heard about your Copacabana rendition. And, uh, Her that's name what, was Lola. That's she was a showgirl. Yeah, I oh, remember yeah, there was a, a day. Of- there was a day uh, where you guys had uh, the gateway open for fans to to come oh, up on screen. Oh, dude! And when you did, I don't know if it was the after show or or the I was actually on, and you you popped me on the screen, which is great. But you had um, there was a bunch of let's say you know uh, uh, on the older side ladies that were that were mm-hmm. popping on, and there was one yeah. in particular from down south. <laughs> Couldn't catch my breath. She was like yelling at her daughter in the car. In the car. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh boy, that was amazing. It's, it's a amazing. whole new world out there, my friend. It's a Let me tell you, world. I'm a huge, and I think I've heard you say this too. But I'm a huge Howard fan. Huge Howard Stern fan. Oh, the best. The yeah. best. 
I I when right. I when I started this show and and by the way, let me let me put this out there now. Never ever have I ever made a comparison between he and me or will I ever be him. But <laughs> that being said, I modeled the way I do these interviews uh after his interviews. Dude, yeah. he's the, he's the best right. interviewer on the planet. He's the best. Mm -hmm. And when we get into the deep ones, you know, today was always going to be a little more lighthearted, but we get into the deep ones and we tell some stories. He's my inspiration in terms of like how you do this. But when you talk about like the whole show, right. And the, and, and the value of just bringing something that's ridiculous on there, he set yeah. the standard for that. You know, he's proof, but he's like the case study that the more ridiculous it is, the better Absolutely. the content. Absolutely. And you know, it's funny when I was in college, uh, I, I spent my first two years upstate at Su upstate New York at SUNY Cortland, right? Yeah. Uh, and they had a great radio station, WSUC. As a matter of fact, WWE uh, Hall of Famer Mick Foley and I were on the radio together uh, up in Cortland. So I was do so Howard was on WNBC, WNBC, WNBC here in New York, and he wasn't really known nationally yet at the time, just in New York. And my father and I used to listen to him when I was a kid. So when I was in school, I kind of stole Howard's act and did it up at school with the women calling with their fantasies and the shtick and everything else. And, and I told him, I told him this, how I, you know, I, I'm like, dude, I stole your whole act up in college. <laughs> if I tell it was the number one show on radio in, in my school. And I was like, it was the, it was the guy who was the quarterback of the football team and me. Yeah. You could date him or you could date me. <laughs> I was like the Howard Stern of Cortland. Um, and it was just, it was really just cool. People look forward to the show, you know, and I would just have people do all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, and it was great, man. But and yet, and I would be done. Uh, Mick Foley was the DJ who would come on after me. Uh, and Mick, who, you know, for folks who don't know WWE, he went on to be a huge, you know, Hall of huge. Famer. And I'll never forget the day he said to me, he said, he's like, dude, I'm, I'm leaving school. I'm going to become a, a wrestler. And you know, Mick's body, he's not necessarily sure. built like a wrestler. And I was like, yeah, dude, good, good luck with that. Hope, wish you the best. <laughs> Next thing you know, a couple of years later, I see the guy, this cactus Jack on TV and I'm like, holy crap. That's, <laughs> I'm like, that's Mick. Son of a gun did it. And and next thing you know, he's one of the one of the biggest draws in WWE history. And a great so, guy, too. Uh, a great guy, yes. Yeah. So a smart guy, you know, with books, the whole deal. Um, but yeah, you know, back to I mean, Howard Stern is there's not even anyone who will ever compare again uh to what he you know, he softened up in his old age. Um, but in his heyday, when it was him against the man, yeah, forget it. Forget it, him. man. It was Couldn't nothing better, nothing better than that. You, you touched on on Foley and, and wrestling, so I want to shift to that for a minute. So, and speaking of Foley, I got a great Foley story for you. So, um, years ago, it's ten years ago now. Shit, crazy. Um, <laughs> ten years ago now, there was uh, uh, the, the long and short of it was I met this very young girl, uh, fifteen year old. We we actually used to go to the same martial arts school together. Um, and those that listen to the show already know the story. But um, come to find out, one day I heard she got sick and. Uh, a couple of days later, it was cancer and and the whole thing, and and a bunch of us banded together to to start mm -hmm. a nonprofit to aid her and kids like her, and um, the rest is sort of history. Um, 
this was a, a difficult time in my life, right? Um, during that time period, it was in the middle of a divorce and everything. And so um, I got very close with the family throughout this process. I wanted to, I started dating her sister down the road and, and we got married and, and we're married now. Nice, um, nice. So anyway, we, uh, so Shannon, that young girl who, who was my sister-in-law, unfortunately we lost her a couple of years after this all started. Um, but right before she passed, you know, she knew she was terminal and she wanted to have a big send off party, big 17th birthday party and, and the whole deal. And I reached out to Mick. I reached out to anybody I could reach out to. And this right. dude showed up. We had this thing at the cherry, cherry, cherry Valley country club in garden city. Um, Came through for you. Not only did he come through, Scott, he, I saw him uh, across the room. It was like halfway through the party. He he makes eye contact and he motions over to me, brings me in another room and wanted to do the thing down low, bring her in another room. He didn't want to take any attention away from her. And he gave, it was mm-hmm. right when he wrote, wrote his first children's book and he gave her a signed copy, went through the, the best. I mean, it was, it was a moment I'll never, ever forget. And I'll never forget what he did for us. Um, but uh, you started with WWE back in 2009, right? Two, yeah, 2009. I started there literally this almost the same week I started at, at NBC4. Uh, it was really weird. You know, talk about having a good week. Um, <laughs> I started at four. Uh, and when I was over, when I was, at, you know, I'll make this, a, you know, short as possible. When I was the sports guy at Channel 9, UPN 9, um, Friday Night Smackdown, had just come to the UPN network. So as the guy in New York, the sports guy in New York, they wanted me. So UPN made a deal with WWE. They were going to have me, um, you know, each each Friday night, all the UPN stations, uh, SmackDown would air from 8 to 10 p.m. And then the news comes on at 10. So, you know, how do you keep that WWE audience for the news at 10? It's not really the same audience. So... I had to have a package, a, a feature piece, wrestling related to be in that Friday night ten o'clock newscast, so they could they could tease it in the show during uh, SmackDown. You know, coming up on the UPN nine news at ten. Uh, you know, Hulk Hogan uh, breaks an arm. Detail. We'll have the D or you know Scott hangs out with the Bella Twins or something like yeah. that. So, so those pieces that I would do aired on every UPN nine newscast, uh, every UPN newscast in the country. Um, so I worked very closely with WWE as the guy, you know, they worked, they were very nice with me giving me interviews and people. And, you know, I'd go to the Meadowlands when they would have a show and I would be in a room and they would just keep bringing in superstars to do interviews with. Um, it was crazy. It was like, you know, big show would come in. Yeah. Then the Bella Twins, then Kelly Kelly, and I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> this is a this is like being at Scores on a Friday night. This is unbelievable." Except um, for Big Show, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Except for Big, you know, Gail Kim, Eve, yeah. uh, you know, Maurice, who's married to Ms. Now. I mean, yes. all these beautiful women. But but regardless, I would get like ten or eleven packages all at once, and then we would put them together. Uh, so when the time came, they were looking for a new studio host. Uh, I got a call, asked to send the tape. And the demo I made was really of all of me working with their, it almost looked like I worked for the company already. Sure. Uh, of me interviewing their John Cena, CM Punk, all kinds of great stuff. Uh, me in the ring doing things at, at shows. 
And I get a call from the main guy back at the time. And he says, um, he says, listen, we, we, we got about 300 tapes for a studio position. Uh, we narrowed it down to five. Vince McMahon hated all of them. Vince hated all five. And he said, and he remembered that I had just sent him a day. Hey, we have a guy who's doing this. Take a look, Vince. Vince looked at the demo tape and he said, get this guy in here now. <laughs> and so I went in, I did the audition, which was, you know, really cool stuff with Joey Styles and doing play by play. And, uh, I got the gig and uh, next thing I know, I'm doing studio shows for WWE before you know it, they're calling me to come do, you know, play by play on the road for WWE superstars, which aired on, you know, WGN at the time. Yeah. And it, you know, so for three years of my life, I was on a plane every Monday and Tuesday, uh, unless it was local, doing you know WWE superstars, and then on Monday Night Raw, it was you know the the interview guy, yeah, uh, backstage. You know, we would switch off being the interview guy. I was a little too tall, you know, I'm a little too tall, <laughs> so I'd have to like kneel down for some of the guys because you always have to make the the superstar look big. Sure. That that's why now all you'll see are very small females <laughs> who stand and, and look yeah. up at the superstars. Um, but it was it was so much fun, man. A lot of traveling, you know, hit every city in America, and uh, it was a lot of fun. And then when I went to picks on a full time basis, I ended up just doing studio shows in Stanford, um, and and always had both going consecutively never the two got in the way of each other sure and it always just happened to work out um and it was just it was great it was great i i had so much fun and 12 years later here i am people have come and gone uh and i'm still i show up every day like it's like you know i'm a kid with the enthusiasm and consistent good television yeah uh, i don't think i missed a day of work at wwe in 12 years uh, I think I had food poisoning one night. I couldn't make it to the raw pre-show. And I'm like, guys, if I can't get out of my bed, yeah, you know, if I can't get out of my bed, I got a problem. Right. Um, so, but it's just, again, it's that thing where you don't, you don't want to miss it. You, you know, you, you feel bad if you have to miss it. Um, and I, I would always work my vacations around, you know, Monday and Tuesday. So we, I, we, if I had to go on vacation with my family, it's, you know, Wednesday, to, to Sunday. Sure. And I'd never, you know, never to miss WWE. And at 12 years later, it's just, it's just, you know, it's it, like I said, a lot of on, on camera talent has come and gone. Uh, I just, I show up every day consistent. I'm good to the producers. I help the producers and I, you know, I give them exactly what they need. And regardless of the show and the importance of the show, because some are important, some aren't important, but you have to get them done anyway. Yep. Somebody put a lot of work into producing that show and writing that show and getting the materials for that show. I treat every show like it's top-notch, number one show at that particular time because that's how that producer feels about the show that they just put together and that they have to go edit afterwards. Sure. So, and I've, you know, I, I worked with some people who would, you know, complain on the set. Hey, the, this writing is terrible. This is terrible. And it's like, hey, man, these guys are they're working hard on this. Just, you know, help them out. Give them some positive. May, hey, maybe we should say this instead of this. Um, you know, there are people I've worked with. If you ask them to do something more than once, they freak out. 
well, that one, that was good. Why do we have to do it again? And I would just look at him like, um, that's not going to work, dude. It's not going to work. Uh, and sure enough, you know, people have come and gone. And like I said, you show up, especially at WWE, they don't care how good you are or how popular you are. If you're hard to work with gone, or the producers don't like working with you, eventually you will be gone. Yeah. Uh, so I always made it my mission to, like I said, show up on time, give you my best shot every time out. Cause you know what, with that too, you never know when Vince McMahon or someone at his level says, Hey, let me, let's, let me see what Stanford's doing right now. Just send me a tape of his. And if you, if, if it's a day where you're not on your best and he happens to look at it, you're not getting a shot at anything. Yeah. So I can honestly say you could pick you could pick any show I've done in the last twelve years, throw a dart at it, and I'll use it as a de- I'll use it as a demo. Just yeah, send it to him. Send it yeah. to so. But that and that's just the way you have to be. But it's a, WWE is a lot of fun. So I'm it's sure, a, man. It's, it's a lot of work. It's a fun place to work though. Yeah, uh, and the fans are phenomenal. The fans make you feel like a rock star. Yeah, like a total rock star. Yeah. Uh, so it, yeah, it's just, that's been an, uh, an incredible ride too, you know? And it's crazy because when you first started, I mean, the, the, they had already gone to a, a different level, right? Uh, you're talking about like once the attitude era happened and, and all mm-hmm. that, I mean, they, they skyrocketed, but then in terms of like the legitimacy of the platform, cause you know, back in the day it was wrestling, oh, wrestling's fake and whatever bullshit. And I've been a fan since I'm a kid. Um, yeah. but you know that once you get to a level where now, like I remember when you, around the time you started, that's when they were first starting to talk about the WWE Network and all that happening. Mm-hmm. And by the way, right? Because I remember always just believing in the company as a company. Forget about the entertainment aspect of it. Yeah, they, in reality, when you look at it, they revolutionized streaming entertainment. They were the first. The first ones besides like the Netflixes and stuff to take an entire platform and develop yeah. a streaming service of its own. Like, yeah, that, it's insane. The funny thing is that the WWE Network, when I was there and they started talking about it, it was originally supposed to be a TV network like you know, Yes Network, MSG, yeah. any of those. Um, and for, you know, from what I read, I know it was a time when Oprah had the own network and she lost a ton of money and so on and so forth. Uh, and you know, you have pay-per-views, which changed the whole concept of everything. So, you know, I guess the powers that be thought they go with the, the streaming service, but had it been on television, we were talking about me doing like a Scott Van Pelt type of show. Uh, but I think like morning show. Yeah. Where social with social, all the bells and whistles of everything talking about this crazy studio and it was going to be a live, you know, here's the news of the day. Here's this, here's John, let's bring in John Cena, all kinds of stuff. And once it went to nonlinear and more of an on-demand type of situation, you know, all the ideas change and go out the window. Sure. Um, But that's what it, that's what I think would have happened. They were looking at like a sports center scenario but WWE, which I thought I still think to this day would still be pretty cool. Um, but it's, you know, it, it's a lot of money to produce and studio the whole deal. But had it been a television station that you would, you would flick to on your TV things, it would have been a whole different ball game. Yeah. 
Yeah, but uh, you know the way it went. I, I mean, watching the genesis of that over, the, and like even all, all of a sudden, like ESPN starts doing spots on on wrestling, which was like mm-hmm. didn't happen back in the. I know Coach yeah. was there and everything, but yeah, um, Coach. You know, they're covering WWE all of a sudden, and you're watching, like, the contracts when they're changing networks, and they're getting bigger and bigger, mm-hmm. and now they're on Peacock. And, I mean, you know, it, it is it is a powerhouse right now. And I, I want to hear your take on this. When you see people like, um, you know, obviously The Rock, but you have John Cena, Dave Batista, Hogan back in the day, um, yeah. going out there and, and sort of, you know, s- still married to to wrestling to a degree in terms of like the fan base and always believing in the product, and then going mm-hmm. out there and just becoming their own entertainment powerhouses. How good is that for the industry in and of itself? Well, it's listen. You know, the, again, social media is a big uh, proponent of that, and you know, The Rock is his own entity, and John Cena was his own brand, and um, you know, you didn't have that back in the day, right? Can you imagine Bruno San Martino? Uh, you know, uh, um, Pedro Morales and all those guys, Chief J Strongbow, yeah. <laughs> um, do, doing social media. Um, I mean, it, it's incredible. You know, it's incredible. And, and you know, when you look at the platforms, you know, WWE's YouTube has, you know, it's it's like seventy million viewers. Yeah, and their Facebook is seventy, you know, millions of followers. So, you know, to offer, I mean, look at the money just to offer an advertiser the opportunity to reach that kind of audience. You don't get that anywhere with television. Television can't even come close to that. Um, But it's, uh, you know, those guys have really taken it to another level. And, you know, you look at the rock social media, you know, the guy's got, you know, 70 million people following him on on Twitter and things like that. So it's just the one thing about social media that I don't like with WWE is that it's kind of, it's lifted up the curtain way too far. That whole mystique of characters and character development goes out the window. When you see, you know, two opposing people doing a TikTok together, you know what I mean? And things like that. It kind of, you know, you always like, that's what was always so good about the undertaker until just recently. Right. He always stayed in character. Um, until they finally, he was just like, you know, all right, listen, I'm, uh, let's screw it. I'm, I'm, I'm out. officially done. Yeah. Right. This is me. I'm just a normal guy. Um, but again, you know, what, what you know, who would have been great back and he's great now would be, was, um, the iron Sheik. Cheeky baby. Imagine the, yeah, she, I mean, he's amazing now <laughs> in his, in his old age, yeah. but, uh, imagine him, you know, back 30 years ago oh would have been amazing. <laughs> yeah. I want to shift before we start wrapping up. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, since we're talking about leadership, we got to talk about family a little bit. So uh, married, two kids, right? Yes. I have a uh, a young lady in college finishing up her sophomore year, and I have an 11-year-old daughter um, who's, a you know, she's a, she's a character also. She's, a, she's, she's unbelievable. What kind of, uh, you know, when we talk about leadership, and, and again, we've talked about the, the definition and what you do in leadership and, and just going out there and uh, putting the consistent hard work in and making people happy. Um, what kind of lessons have you learned from being a husband and being a father uh, in order to make you a better leader out there? Oh, well, uh, the lesson I've learned, George, is to uh, not get involved with anything and to stay downstairs on the couch <laughs> with the remote control. And just, you know, let the female drama play out upstairs with the ladies. 
Um, not listen, you know what? I, I, I try to give my daughter, uh, guy advice, the one in college, you know, at our age, we, you know, as a little bit of a player back in my younger <laughs> days, um, you know, I've been through every situation when sure. it comes to dating, you know, some that I wasn't so great with some that people who were, you know, trying to get rid of me, I've been through it all. And I try to give my daughter the, you know, you can only give them the advice to take. Um, and sometimes they will, most of the times, uh, what do you know? You're, you know, you're a 50 year old guy. What the hell do you know? Sure. Well, it turns out we know everything that you don't know. Um, but it's, you know, when it comes to, you know, when it comes to education, we kind of let them, you know, we're not the, the helicopter parents. It's like, listen, man, you're, you're in college now. You can either, you know, you, you get good grades or don't get good grades. So, you know, it's, it's, it, it's going to affect you as far as, you know, what, what you could do right out of college. Um, but listen, this day and age, you don't even need to go to college to, to have a job these days. Um, there's so many, I, I always tell everybody, I said, you know, when the kids, when they're in high school and they're, they're seniors and they're going nuts about what, what college they're getting into and everybody's freaking out. They, they didn't get into this one and they got into this one. Should I go here? Should I go there? And to, for them, you know, it's 90% about which school they're going to have the most fun at. And 10%, some of them are real serious about what they're going to do in life. And I, and I always say, listen, unless you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or, or, or a NASA engineer, does it really matter what college you go to these days? Right. Um, you come out with your degree try to find an internship, right? Because it's, it's really, as you, as you make relationships, that's going to help you move along, right? Because someone's going to be just as qualified as you are, even more qualified than you are. If somebody you know through your father or through an internship already knows you, you're going to get the job over that more qualified person, most likely. Um, so I've always been, I, I'm not a, a crazy, my, you know, I'm not the guy to come to for punishment. My daughters never get punished by me. My wife hates me for that. Um, but I just, I don't have that kind of stuff in me. You know, I'm like the, I want, I'm the buddy. I'm not yeah. the discipline. I'm not the disciplinarian. Whenever my phone rings, it's usually for money. And, and you know, I, uh, I know my role, right? The rock says, you know, shut your mouth and shut know your, your role. So I just have to keep, listen, if I keep the sink clean in my house and I keep my clothes off the bed, I stay out of trouble. You're good. I, st I stay down here in my basement. Um, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm, when it comes to, I'm a really good father. I spend a lot of time with my daughters when they were 11, 12, 13, you know, till they don't want to hang out with you anymore. Yeah. Uh, I spend a lot of, a lot, my jobs always allowed me to spend time with my kids and never miss the important functions, um, which was always great. I never had, you know, I was either working nights or early mornings and I never had to miss uh, a function with my kids. And I think that's important because uh, they'll always remember. I always tell my daughters, I'm always, listen, you're going to remember that you got to hang out with your father uh, a lot more than I did. Going to the movies and going for lunches and amusement parks and anything else we can get our hands on, you know, Chuck E. Cheese, Dave and Buster's. Yeah. Um, and you know, don't tell anybody, but I have just as much fun as they do. Yeah. Um, but it's, so it's, yeah. I mean, as far as leadership, it's, you know, I let my wife lead and I just kind of agree with her. 
and just try and make some money so we can stay in the house. Well, that's good. That's, that's my, good leadership that's my, advice to me. Yeah. <laughs> but they'll tell you, they'll tell you, she'll tell you I'm a great husband. My kids will tell you I'm a good father. And, uh, you know, that's all, I, you know, uh, I just go, I go with it and try and it's the same thing as business, right? I just show up, I stay consistent and just try <laughs> to be good. I try to treat everybody as uh, with respect and, and, and I don't let, I try to tell everybody, don't let the, the little crap bother you. It doesn't mean anything. You know, yeah. when, when my daughter calls from college and she's crying about some BS, it's like, dude, really, what is this going to mean tomorrow? Yeah. <clears throat> so I try to just, yeah, I try to just with work and home, don't let the little things make you crazy because you'll get crazy yeah. and none of it's worth it. And by the next day you realize what, what did I waste all that time for? Yeah. So I have no idea what I just said, but hopefully you said it something. Made sense. <laughs> <laughs> all right before we hit the big three i want to mention everybody again the suki and scott show it's tuesday wednesday thursday right every week 7 30 tuesday wednesday thursday 7 30 on facebook live uh then we we send it out the next day to like 10 different streaming platforms um but the live show we like to do on uh on facebook to get that audience interaction yeah um so yeah every every tuesday wednesday thursday at 7 30 Perfect. A lot of fun. What, but before the big three, what's next, man? What, what, what is going on in in the, in the professional life of Scott Stanford? I don't know, bro. Like I said, you know, I have more things going on that I don't get paid for than anyone (laughs) I know. Um, but they, they, yeah, including this show, by the way, You're um, they, they tell me if I keep doing what I'm doing, things will hit and big things will happen. So the Suki and Scott show has a lot of meetings going on, a lot of potential things going on. And, um, all the only thing I know is that every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'll be there putting on a show with celebrities and performers. That's the only thing that's a definite other than that. I don't know, you know, what's going to happen, but it doesn't happen unless you shoot your shot. They say that's it. And, And that's what we're doing right now. We're shooting the shot. And we're doing it three nights a week and content is king. And you never know, man, you hit the right, you uncover the right stone uh, and, and things can happen very quickly. They have happened real quickly over the last year. Um, So, you know, who knows where we'll be this time next year, hopefully on somebody's, you know, network or cable TV station, but we'll see, you know, the the opportunities are endless. Love it. You guys are killing it. Love the show. All right. Thank you, bud. Let's hit the big three. The big three from the launch cast. Go ahead. What is this big three? The Go big ahead. three. I'm going to throw out some stuff. You're going to give All me right. your top three quick, concise answers for each thing. All Fun right. stuff for you. Ready? Go ahead. All right. Three best WWE talkers of all time. Oh, that's easy. Let's see. Number one's got to be Paul Heyman. Uh, number two, I'm going to go Jesse the Body Ventura. Uh, and number three is kind of a toss up. Uh, you, you know, you got to throw Lou Albano in there, maybe a tie with Freddie Blassie. I think that's what, but, but Paul Heyman, you know, he, he, he's head and shoulders above everybody else. Yeah. Um, you know, everything else is just, you know, is, is just fodder from there, but definitely Paul, uh, Jesse, the body. And, and he was great with Vince McMahon. Um, and then I would go, you know, Freddie Blassie. Lou Albano, Grand Wizard, all those guys kind of coming in 
right around that third spot. Are we going to get an honorable mention for the Long Island IC? Uh, <laughs> well, listen, one of the finest shows in WWE history. That's right. Right? <laughs> Some of my finest moments. I yes, they were. Yes, they were. All right. Um, three best. So another tough one. Three best technical wrestlers of all time. Oof. Technical wrestlers of all time. All right. You know what? No, that's actually pretty easy. Because you got two right now who are phenomenal. Uh, AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan. Mm-hmm. Um, two amazing technical wrestlers. And then, you know, if, if you look back, and, and again, it was a different time. But, you know, you, you could throw Bruno San Martino in there. was a great Bob Backlund. Let's give Bob Backlund. Bob Backlund, yes. Spot. Well done. That was great, right? Backlund. <laughs> uh, till he, you know, he, I don't know, he turned into like this lunatic back. <laughs> he turned into a cartoon character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He turned it, but, but boy, back in the day, man, in the mid 80s, that guy was good. He was good. Yeah. Three favorite, give me your three most memorable moments as an anchor, as a news anchor. Oh, geez. On air, I'll say. Anchor. On air. Wow. Um, most memorable. Well, huh. That would have to be from, from the morning show. I would think, uh, you know, we've had so many celebrities that came in. Um, there was one day Suki and I spent six hours on the desk from six in the morning till 12 noon covering, uh, a spring snowstorm that we had like mm-hmm. this once in a lifetime, you know, be, end of April snowstorm. Yep. Um, and we, and we literally sat there with all the governors from the three States and different people. That was, that was pretty cool. Um, I, I, you know, God, there was, there's so many George is so many memorable moments. Um, God, if I looked at our demo reel, I could probably see them go. all go through my head. But um, well, let me let me yeah, shift I, it then to make it to make it easier. Then instead of three, um, you know, I I know we've talked about so many of like the lighthearted moments that just make people mm-hmm. smile and everything. But as a news anchor, have you ever had any of those just um, heavy moments? I talked with Suki and I talked with Carol Silva and Lisa Mateo about uh, you yeah, know. 9/11. Well, they 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 right. They were on the desk at nine eleven. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't even, you know, I wasn't even a channel. Not, I was at CBS 880 for 9-11 doing yep. sports. Yep. Um, but as far as that goes, you know, we had, if you can remember, not too far back around 2016, um, there was a uh, there was a, a bomb that went off. The guy with the um, the pressure cooker bomb. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Near, near Hoboken, I think it was. I know that was like, you know, because you're doing something fun. At break, when breaking news hits, you just, you got to switch on a dime. Um, and, I, and and that train derailment at Hoboken Station, if you remember, like 2017, spring yeah. of, this went into the station, off the tracks, yep. was a crazy yep. time. <clears throat> but, you know, there have been some some smaller ones, but I was I was never on the desk for that crazy crazy um there was one time i know they brought tamson and i in on a sunday when the metro north train crashed um ended up going around that turn at like 70 miles an hour and a bunch of people died uh up in up in westchester the bronx area uh that was like six hours but i never had that big that crazy 9-11 or 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 a hurricane sandy um, you know, I was always for Hurricane Sandy. I was doing sports 
for at NBC. Yeah. And, you know, there are times where I was like, boy, I'm glad I'm doing sports right yeah. now because I'd hate to be sitting out there for this. Um, so, yeah, but it's just but my whole experience doing the, the morning show was phenomenal. I mean, yeah. like I said, you, you know, you're sitting there doing a story. You go to commercial break. Um, Cheryl Ladd walks in from Charlie's Angels. You know, like <laughs> women, women I had posters of when I was a kid would walk in and there they are. Uh, you know, actresses and actors and and celebrities of you know from all walks of life. It's just really cool. You know, you don't know who's coming in from one minute to the next, yeah. and you know you have five minutes in the commercial to get ready. Uh, but we were always we were always great at that. So you know, I would love I love for one day to be back doing it with her. Um, but for now, our you know we our show is kind of like Kelly and Ryan meets the Tonight Show. Yeah, and I, I think that's the perfect spot for us. Everybody yeah, guys, check that out. 7.30, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Unbelievable show. And they have incredible guests all the time. I stole one of your guests for my Ooh. other podcast, Key Lewis. Ah, I he heard Key, kid. and I messaged him. I'm like, dude, you got to come on our new podcast, he Fatherhood. Oh, man. Amazing. He did his he whole was very uh, good. Uh, uh, Mo Vagina bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Mo Vagina. I was like, Sook, I got to remember this. Mo Vagina. <laughs> He guys scott stanford uh check him out the suki and scott show facebook live scott thank you so much for being here buddy i appreciate you so much you got it george thanks pal thank you buddy i'll put you back in the green room while i sign off uh, and i'll talk to you hang on a sec all right the virtual green room guys another another episode of the launch cast thank you guys for joining me you know where to find us. Catch us every single Monday morning, but this one's coming out on a Tuesday. Every single Monday morning, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, TuneIn, Stitcher, all of them, all of them. Thank you for joining us, guys. We'll see you next time. Into the black Thanks for listening to the LaunchCast today. Please make sure to subscribe to this feed wherever podcasts are available. Follow me, George Andriopoulos, at Launchpad CEO on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And make sure to visit our website, guys, thelaunchcast.com. Looking forward to the next episode. See you soon, guys.